Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve sallallahu ve barak ala al-ashrafil anbiya ve al-mursalin. Nabina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve selleme teslima kathira. Ama ba'd. Alhamdulillah, we praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have this opportunity here to go through the texts, the texts of our scholars in relation to the affair of Adin and Willillahi alhamd. We have the opportunity to go through many different uh, topics in relation to the ilm of deen and <coughs> from them is the affair fiqh yani having understanding and fiqh fi deen yani umuman yani fiqh fi deen generally speaking as the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentions yani praising of thana'an ala al-fiqh wa wal-fahm where he mentions man Whoever Allah Ta'ala was good for, he gives him understanding in the religion. And this affair of fiqh, yani generally speaking, the person needs to have an understanding in religion itself, the, the usul of their religion. And likewise, no doubt, it's upon the individual as well that he has understanding and he has understanding of the particular ilm of fiqh as well and he understands how to carry out the ibadat and the actions of worship he understands how to carry out the actions of ibadah as well as carry out the actions when it comes to the mu'amalat uh, the dealings and the lack of that and this is no different wallahu ta'ala a'lam and so in, in the previous lesson, we discussed the affair of, we discussed the affair of the Salah itself. So first and foremost, we mentioned the Salah in relation to its definition. Now I'm mentioning the, I mentioned the Salah in relation to its definition. And that's what, and when you go through any affair in Deen, and any topic in Deen, the first thing you begin with is ta'rif, its definition. And so we said the salah and its definition is of two types, two types of definition. What's the first definition? The linguistic. And what's the linguistic definition of the salah? A dua. Naam. And then the definition of the salah in terms of the, the sharia. What's the definition of the salah in terms of the sharia? Now, specific speech and actions that begins with the takbir. I'm referring to which takbir there? This is beginning. Uh, what's, this, what's, this, what's the name for it? Takbir. Takbir is ihram. Now, so specific speech and actions that begins with takbir. I refer to takbir is ihram. And ends with the taslim. So specific speech and actions begin with takbir, end with taslim. 
and this is the salah now linguistically likewise we discussed in relation to the salah as well as hukum the ruling of the salah what's the ruling of the salah itself the ruling right, first and foremost in Islam the ahkam are made up of five Naam. So a ruling upon something in Islam is going to be one of the five. Naam. In Islam, the ruling is going to be one of the five. It's either going to be wajib, mustahab, mubah, makruh, or haram. Naam. So if something's wajib, or fart, wajib or fart, then what does this mean? Is you have to do it, but how do you define it? So, uh, you have to do it so the person who performs it is rewarded, the person who abandons it is punished. So, the person who performs it is rewarded, and the person who, who abandons it or leaves it off is punishable or is blameworthy for that. Now, the second, mustahab. Okay, so if, if that's the definition of wajib, you do it, you're rewarded, you don't do it, you're punishable. If we say mustahab now, or some say sunnah, then what do we say in terms of its definition? If you do it, you're rewarded. If you don't do it, you're not punishable by it. The third, then we say, is mubah. Mubah, which is generally something which is allowed. So mubah is what in its definition? If you, say, if you look on the same definition, or the same trail of thought, if that makes sense. Mubah. It's permissible. If you do it, are you rewarded? No. If you leave it, are you punishable? No. Right? So just a general action. Then you have uh, makroh. Makroh. Makroh in definition is what then? Better not do it, but definition though. If you leave it, you're rewarded. But if you do it, you're not rewarded and you're not, you're not sinful, you're not punishable, it's not punishable by it. And then the fifth is referring to the haram. If you leave it, if you leave off the haram, then you are rewarded. But if you do it, you can be punishable by doing it. Naam. So then if these are the five, what of these five is the salah? Does the salah fall into? The wajib, of course. Naam. If you perform it, naam, the person is rewarded. If you leave it, naam, then the person is punished by way of leaving off the salah. Naam. And then there's proof of that. And you'll know of one proof from the Quran or the Sunnah for the obligation of salah. You know, of one proof for the obligation of salah from Quran or Sunnah. Covenant between us and them, I those that are disbelievers to salah. Whoever leaves it off has, has disbelieved. Now, irrespective of whether you, you understand this affair of kufr to be the kufr of, um, yeah, the kufr akbar, disbelief, leaving Islam. Or you understand the kufr to be yani, the, the, uh, the lesser form of kufr. It's still, of course, sinful. 
And so if the one is sinful for making tariq of salah, even of the salah, then we understand that it is wajib to do. Naam. And also we mentioned as well that uh, the salah is an obligation based upon ijma' as well. Upon the ijma' in the consensus. And this is the proof in of itself. And we mentioned what's the proof of ijma' being proof? What's the proof that ijma' itself is proof? Hadith, which is? Not, not, not that it won't divide. It won't unite. Umar will not unite upon falsehood. Umar will not unite upon falsehood. And then um, along with that as well, we discussed the affair of um, Tarkus Salah. And Tarkus Salah can occur in how many circumstances do we mention? Three? One says three, someone says four. Four. Okay, briefly, what were they? What was the first one we mentioned? The one that makes Tariq salah The one that makes Tariq salah He rejects this obligation. So he rejects the he rejects the salah and he rejects that it's an obligation. He says it's not obligatory for me to pray. So, such an individual, what was the hukum about this individual? Is ijma' that he's a kafir? No. Ijma' that such an individual is a kafir. The second one. The second one is who? The one that leaves it out of laziness or negligence. So, what's the clear difference between the two then? He doesn't reject his obligation. So the second one, he he uh, he, he recognizes and, and recognizes the fact that it's an obligation to pray. However, he does not reject. So, however, he does not pray. Sorry, he does not re- he does not reject this obligation, but he does not pray. He does not pray due to laziness or his negligence, his negligent nature. And so, such an individual, what is said about him? There's a there's a there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And generally speaking, as well, just to punch on the side point, we won't go into a lot of detail when it comes to ikhtilafat. No? So um, difference of opinions. You may find every masala. There's many masail, and there's difference of opinion. But when it's masail such as these or issues such as these, where there's such a strong opinion of one and the other, then it's important to mention them so that you're aware of them, inshallah. So um and then you, it's, it's something for yourselves to read, read further and, and the like of that inshallah now so as we mentioned there's a ikhtilaf in this regard there's a difference of amongst the scholars in relation to the one that leaves the salah now due to um due to uh negligence now and so what is said what is said what is the the, the difference essentially is what i'm asking so some say he disbelieves. For example, the call of Imam Ahmad. So he says that he disbelieves. Even if he leaves it negative, he's like the one that has rejected his obligation. He disbelieves. Okay, Jayid. The other opinion? Or the, the generally the other opinion is? He hasn't disbelieved. However, he has fallen into a major sin. Naam. He's fallen into a major sin. Yani, a kabir amin al-kabair. 
So then what do we say and what do we mention as well as, as um, and what we mentioned that one in relation to this opinion is because some people end up having some form of tasahun and tahawun with the second opinion. So they'll say that I'm upon the opinion that the person doesn't disbelieve. But it's important to, to bring to your attention or bring to the attention that even if it's said he hasn't disbelieved or hasn't left the fold of Islam, it's important to bring to the attention that it's still a kabirah and kabayr. And amongst those that say he hasn't disbelieved, then the imma would differ as to the akuba of the individual or the punishment that the person has. Now, some would say that such an individual will be imprisoned for leaving of the salah. Now, even executed some mention as well for leaving of the salah. So it's not just a case that the, the tarqa salah is an amr, hayyan as they say. It's just a small affair. That if a person leaves off the salah, then no issue. Now, or is, is, as long as he's not a kafir for falabats. No, even though he, he made some of them mention he's not, he's, he's not disbelieved, he still has, he still may face a great amount of uh, um, consequence of that. Um, if, he, if he leaves off the salah due to his laziness. And then the, and the greater and the, and the greater affair is if you take the opinion that he's even disbelieved as well, of course. So, so that's the second. The third. The third. The one that absolutely refuses to pray. So he leaves off the, the salah and he refuses to pray. Now, what do we say about such an individual? Before, before that, what's the difference between the first and the third? What's the difference between the, the, the first type and the third type? So the first rejects the hukum of this obligation, no. No. The third is not necessarily that he's saying he's refused, he's rejecting his obligation. He, he accepts the hukum, that's obligatory, pray, obligatory to pray. However, he refuses to pray. Naam. I said, what do we say about such an individual? Kafir or Fasik. So one says Fasik, one says Kafir. Ittifaq. Naam. Ittifaq. It's agreed upon his disbelief. And Ibn Khayyam mentions in more detail as to why that's the case. Naam. And what was, the, what was his reasoning? I don't remember. No, it's not regarded to be some. Is that it's logical that someone says that they believe in Islam and something more than that, though? Because um, when he refuses, obviously, Muslims are going to be punished for the threat of punishment, so the fact that he could potentially die no. whilst he's refusing to pray. No, why exactly. So, some it's not, it's not logical that someone ref, as, is, can ascribe to Islam, be a Muslim, whilst refusing to pray and then the sword is brought to him meaning that the threat of execution is brought to him i death itself and thus he's still in the face of that refuses to pray naam and this is the explanation of, of ibn qayyim is that clear the, the that third the fourth is who the fourth naam he's forgetful or he has slept and there's such an individual let me say that he has, uh, the, the reality is that the person in this scenario, if he has fallen asleep, when he wakes up, this is the time of his salah. Naam, and it's something which is ma'adhur, something which is excused. 
Or if he forgets, when he remembers, this is the time of his salah. It's ma'adhur. However, as a point of... Um, uh, generally as a point as well to mention or to bring to attention is that we do not say that a person does so whilst he is being careless. Naam. So you cannot, you cannot say now a person, he goes to sleep at 3 a.m., Fajr's 4 a.m. And this is our slept through Fajr. But because I woke up in time at, at, at 9 a.m., for example, then this is the time of the Salah. No. Because he didn't take the means. I was upon the person to take the means. Naam. Likewise as well, forgetfulness. A person does not make or have any himma for the Salah or give the Salah any, any importance and thus, bitali, yani, that which that which comes yani, almost naturally after that is that he's going to end up forgetting the salah. No, the person should put to take all the means possible so that they are praying and in its correct uh, at its correct time. And if anything occurs that they do not, that that um, f- that does not happen, then at this time you will say that the, this person um, has that excuse, and Allah Taala knows best. Now. Then we go on to the text. We go on to the text of Ashurut al Salah. Where we discuss the Shurut al Salah, wa Arkaniha, wa Wajibatiha. And this is our lesson today, inshaAllah ta'ala. The first thing, again, like anything else, is that we discuss uh, everything by way of its by way of its um, definitions. We discuss it by way of its definition. So the first thing to discuss by way of its definition is the word shart, condition itself. Naam. And so the definition mentioned here by Shaykh Ibn Baz, is one which is, which is, um, takes some understanding We'll take some some pondering over, but we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll mention it and then we'll discuss it further. Sheikh Mubaz mentions, "Rahimahullah, لا يلزم من وجوده الوجود، لكن يلزم من عدمه العدم." So, لا يلزم من وجوده الوجود، لكن يلزم من عدمه العدم. So what is what he's saying here, is that is not doesn't necessitate that if a condition is present, then the act is present. However, when it's not present, then the act absolutely is not present. Naam. I'm guessing that needs some more explanation. Or is that clear? Can we move on? Naam. So if we look at all of the conditions. The conditions essentially come together. And so what we understand is that conditions have to be all in one in order for the action to be present. So we're going to go through all the conditions of the Salah, inshallah. And so what we need to understand in relation to the conditions of the Salah is that they all need to be present. Right? So what it's saying is that just if one is, if you have a condition present, it doesn't now mean that the action is present. For example, one of the conditions of the Salah, I will mention it in more detail, of course, as we go further, one of the conditions of the salah is a niyyah. Naam. One of the conditions of the salah is a niyyah. But if the person now has a niyyah, but he doesn't have any of the conditions, so he doesn't have tahara, he hasn't made wudu, he's not facing the qibla, 
You cannot say now he's doing the action. So, the first part of the definition is mentioning that it's, it's wujud, it being present, doesn't mean that the whole thing is present, the whole act is present. Why? Because the conditions are in need of one another. However, Adamihi, I, the, the, the fact that one of them isn't present, so the absence of one of them, means the absence of the whole act. So, if now we, have, we need all these conditions for the Salah, However, one of them is not present. Then we know that the act of the Salah itself is not present. Does that make sense? So essentially, when we're discussing the conditions of the Salah, and conditions generally, we have to understand that they come together. And they have to be, or they go hand in hand. And you can't just have one or two of them, or a few of them for being fulfilled. In order for a, in order for a particular affair to be fulfilled, or act to be fulfilled, all of the conditions need to be there. Right? All of the conditions need to be there. That's the first thing. The second, the second thing is to highlight the difference between the shart and the rukun. The difference between the shart and the rukun. So the first, the shart, the condition. What's the difference between a condition and a rukun? A condition and a pillar. So we say, for example, uh, a condition of the salah is a knee, as we said. Right? Whilst a rukun, a pillar, is surat al-fatiha. What's the difference between the two? How do we identify one thing as a, as a condition and another as a pillar? Okay, if you're missing a, a, sh- a shart, is your salah valid? Sorry? So if, so if, for example, a shart is to face the Qibla, so say, for example, you're not facing the Qibla, would you say that the sah- sah- will suffice? Generally speaking, though, the shart uh, or sajda sah wouldn't suffice. Naam. So, we we can't make that distinction between the the, the, the shart and the rukun. Naam. That one regard, one is needed, or one will invalidate the prayer, and the other one wasn't. Generally speaking, they both invalidate the prayer if there's the absence of one or the other. So, if there's no condition, then there's no prayer. If there's no pillar, then there's no prayer. Same thing. So that's not that's the similarity between the two. What is the key difference between the two? Condition is a prerequisite. A prerequisite. That's uh fifty percent there. No. No. You you, you remix what he said. <laughs> so no, the, the 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 he said prerequisite, you gave a definition of prerequisite. Now, so for example, uh, the condition has to be there before you do the act. So the condition has to be there before you pray the salah. Now, whilst exactly the, the pillar is, done, is during the salah. Something else though. Think of a condition. And think when it's, when it's obligatory and when it has to be present. For example, facing the Qibla. 
Naam. When do you need to face the Qibla for the Salah? Before you start the prayer. Okay. So say, for example, you're praying uh, uh, Salat al-Fajr. Naam. First raka'ah, you face the Qibla. Second raka'ah, you face somewhere else. The shard has to be present throughout the action. The action. Naam. The shard, the condition has to be present throughout the action. Now, so for example, tahara. You know, you have to make wudu for salah. If you begin with salah, you make wudu. Then you break your wudu during the salah. Can you continue salah? No. Because you've lost the condition now. So that condition needs to be present from the beginning all the way through. Now, the condition has to be present from the beginning all the way through. And now, in relation to um, the, the rukun, the pillar, then the pillar is only there at, its, at a particular time. Now, so it's at a prescribed time. So a pillar, for example, we said, um, Surah Al-Fatiha, recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. The recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha is at a specific time in the, in the Salah. Now, it's not a case of a person who recites Surah Al-Fatiha throughout the Salah. Now, all Takbir Al-Ihram. The Takbir Al-Ihram obviously occurs at a, specific, at a specific time, a specified time. And not thereafter. Naam. Does that make sense? Come on. So we go on to mention the first of the conditions. Awalaha al-Islam. Naam. The first of them is Islam. Min awaliha ila akhiriha labud an yakuna hina dukhulihi fiha and Yahuja Minha Musliman Fin Sola Huakafirun Salatu Huayra Sahia Nam. And so a person praying at the beginning of these, of these conditions, from the beginning to the end, the person has to be Muslim. And he has to enter the Salah as a Muslim and leave the Salah as a Muslim. And so if an individual prays and is a kafir, naam, then an individual, this, such an individual, has, or is not of, is not of, is not of, is not of any avail to him, yani the kufr. And so, Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَلَوْ أَشْرَكُوا لَحَبَطَ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالْإِيمَانِ فَقَدْ حَبِتَ عَمَلَهُ And so Allah Ta'ala mentions, and so whoever associates partners with Allah and commits shirk, then the actions that they commit and the actions that they perform will be lost from them. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala mentions, and whoever has disbelieved, by way, and that's uh, this ayah, F1, the ayah is in Surah An'am, verse 88. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala mentions, Allah Ta'ala mentions Surah Al-Ma'idah, that whoever disbelieves in the affair of Iman, then their actions will be lost. I mean, in the one that has disbelieved, the affair of his actions will not avail him. Now I will not be of, or, or, or now I'm not be of any benefit to him. 
And so the kafir, what we understand, the kafir, his amal is mardud. Naam. And so, Adam al-Islam, this tells them Adam al-Salah. So the person that does not have Islam, then what is consequential of that, or the consequence of that is Adam al-Islam. Abu Bakr, page 62. Adam, of 63, sorry. Adam al-Islam. Naam. And so this is what you uh, you find, generally speaking, when it comes to the affair of the kafir. This is something which is separate from the mas'ala of whether the kafir is obligated to pray or not. Naam is obligated by the by way of the sharia. And this is something that the scholars, they, they discuss whether the kafir is obligated by way of it. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Um... The strong of the opinion, the strongest of the opinions is that they're still obligated. So even so what we understand is that they're obligated to pray, even as a kafir. They're obligated to pray. However, the salah, the salah is It's not going to be rewarded by way of it. It's not going to be rewarded by way of the actions. Naam. And so this is the first condition. The first condition is Islam. And generally, when you look at the affairs of the ibadah, you look at the conditions of different ibadah, the first condition will always, or generally be mentioned, will be Islam itself. The second condition, the second condition is al-aqal. The second condition is al-aqal. That the person has sound intellect. And Sheikh bin Baz mentions, in defining aql, that the person you maze, that the one with the aql, the one with sound intellect, that he's able to distinguish between that which harms him, that which is harmful to him, and that which is beneficial to him. Now, it's the one of the sound intellect is able to distinguish between the two. And also, is able to distinguish between khair and shar. He's able to distinguish between that which is khair, that which is good, and that which is shar, that which is evil. As for the majnoon, as for the one that is regarded as majnoon, insane, then... Such an individual, naam, such an individual, is not able to distinguish. And so such a person, there's no salah for that such a person. They're not able to distinguish between that which is good for them, that which is harmful for them. Or good and evil generally. And so thus, this is due to the statement of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Hadith, Collected by Abu Dawood. When the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions Rafa al-Qalam and al-Thalaf. Al-Naim hatta yastaykidha. Wal-Majnoon hatta yafiq. Wal-Sughir hatta yabluk. And so, 
the Nabi mentions that the pen is lifted, has been lifted from three. The one who is asleep until he wakes up. The insane until he is released from that insanity and he, he gains sanity. And the sughir, the young individual until they reach puberty. And so what we understand from this I this Rafa al Qalam, this wording Rafa al Qalam that the pen is lifted, La Tuktab Anhu Yani. There's nothing written about him, written on that on that behalf of what he has done. Naam. And so thus what is meant by that is that such an individual is not accountable for what they are doing. They're not held to account for what they are doing. Naam. So no doubt if you're sleeping, you're not held to account for whatever happens in your sleep. Naam. Whatever happens in your sleep, you're sleeping. So it's, 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 uh, it's not written. Likewise, if the person uh, is in a state of insanity, is not is not accountable. Why? Going back to what we just discussed, why is it a case of the insane person is not accountable? You can't distinguish between good and evil. He's actually not able to distinguish between good and evil. So now if he does something which is evil, how can it be said he's accountable for the evil? Now, if he's not, he's not aware of what he's doing. Now, likewise, the good as well. Because no doubt we're talking about the affair of Salah. There's not much affairs that are better than the Salah itself. And we're saying he's not accountable for that. Likewise, he's not rewarded for that. Because he's not able to distinguish between good and evil. So he may be doing the action of good, but not because it's good. If that makes sense. He's doing the action because he's doing the action. Well, he's not able to distinguish and he's not able to identify this is a good thing to do, so thus I'm doing it. Or he does an evil act and he's not, and he's not able to distinguish that this is an evil act, thus this, I, this is an action I shouldn't be doing. Now, so the repentance is from him. And likewise, the sarir, I the young individual, I the child, that they're not accountable for what they're doing until they reach the age of uh, puberty or they reach the, the stage of puberty. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. So that's the second condition. The second condition, the Shaykh mentions, alhamdulillah, in brief. The third, atamiz. Wa didduhu as-sigar. Wa hadduhu sabi' sinin. So, the third is a tamiz. The third is a tamiz. And tamiz is opposite of yani, youth or young age or infancy, to be, to, be, uh, to be more precise. So you have the tamiz and then you have infancy. And the, the stage of infancy ends or this, this tamiz begins at the age of seven. The Tamiz begins at the age of seven. ثُمَّ يُؤْمَرُ بِالصَّلَاةِ نعم. Then he is commanded, the, the, the child then is commanded the salah. لِكَوْلِهِ نعم. مُرُّ أَبْنَاءَكُمْ بِالصَّلَاةِ لِسَبْعَ وَدْرَبُوهُمْ عَلَيْهَا لِأَشْرَ وَكَوْلِهِ so the 
لكن يؤمروا بها قبل أن وقبل ذلك تمهيدا وتنبيها على الصلاة حتى إذا بلغ إذا هو قد اعتاد تمرن عليها نعم so we have the affair of the um, of Tamiz of the affair of Tamiz now now so Tamiz is specifically the age of seven now specifically the age of seven well generally speaking when you have the second condition and the second condition was what well that the person has to have sound intellect and then what would be used as the hadith Naam. the affair of the qalam being lifted from the free so then what would you understand from this is that if the if the salah is not upon the majnoon then the salah would not be or it will be a condition that the person has to be balif Naam. likewise because they're mentioned in the hadith the Sagheer, until he, until he reached the age of puberty. Right? However, due to, and that's, and that's how we generally understand, understand it. However, due to the fact that we have the narration, naam, where the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentions, Murru abana'akum where he commands, naam, where he says, command your children with the salah at the age of seven. We understand now that Bulug is not a condition for the salah. Now, so this is what makes, and this is what makes it more um, specific. It's a fair more specific. Because it is not mentioned just the affair of aql or bulug. Sometimes it's mentioned, sometimes you'll find from the ahkam or some of the shurut, bulug is a condition that they reach the age of puberty. However, due to the, the fact that we have a specific nas, a specific narration, a specific text, where the Messenger of Allah mentions Yani Tamiz, essentially. He mentions Yani the, the age of seven. Due to that, we know that the condition is that Tamiz. Does that make sense? Because he mentions specifically Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And um, you have another narration where the Messenger of Allah Wasallam mentions until they reach the age of puberty. Now, until they, they reach age or reach, they reach the stage of puberty. What we understand from that and what Sheikh Mubaz mentioned, the narration that mentions puberty is talking about taklif. I, when they are now responsible for their own salah. Now, and when they are now accountable for their own salah. Now, the responsibility and accountability of the salah of the seven-year-old is who? His parents, his wali, essentially. Now, the one that is, is his guardian. Would that be his parents or other than that? Once they reach the stage of puberty, then they are responsible and accountable for their own salah. Hence why, you have the mention of seven, and you have other uh, narrations that mention, yani, buluq. So, what we understand from this, barakallahu fikum, is that the first affair is... Um, 
The first affair is that they reach the age of seven. Thereafter, the Messenger of Allah mentions that they that you 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 strike them once they reach the age of ten. Lam. And we discussed this as well last week, that you strike them at the age of ten. And you hit them. What did we mention as a as a as a side point in relation to that as well? That you don't you know you don't leave any marks, for example. What else? No, my skin's not broken. So you, you strike them to the extent that maybe they, they recognise that they're being struck. They've been hit. But it's not to the extent that it breaks skin or it leaves marks. Now it was only anything severe. And of course not the face. Now um so now this is the affair of the the, the salah. So once they reach the age of or the stage of puberty and they haven't prayed, or they're not praying, they themselves are, are, are athen. They themselves are blameworthy. Now, before that, the accountability is with the wali, the guardian of that individual. Now, however, they are commanded before that to pray, as Sheikh Abibaz mentions here, tamhidan. Now, this is a means of preparation for them. Right, so it's, need, it's, it's a means to prepare them for the eventuality of the obligation of salah. Naam. And so they're aware of the salah. Because understand, for example, if a person, a child, is not praying, so they're living their life, not praying, not praying, not praying, not praying, and all of a sudden, because the, the, the signs of puberty can be literally overnight. Naam. So they're not praying, they're not praying, and then overnight they become accountable for salah. And now they ha and now it's upon them to pray five times a day. Naam. Of course, from the from the wisdom of the Sharia is that we are commanded to prepare our children for this. Prepare them before it becomes an obligation upon them. So that when it does become an obligation, it's so it's not something that is taqil, it's heavy upon them, it weighs upon them. Now does that make sense, Barakal of Jayat. Now, thereafter. The next condition is not numbered, but the next condition is the rafa al-hadith, and the removal of the impurity. Now, and that the person purifies themselves for the salah. Removal the impurity, and they purify themselves for the salah. And the hadithain is of two types. You have the major impurity and the minor impurity. The person purifies himself and purifies himself from the major and the minor impurity. So la bud and yakuna ala taharati. So there's a must that the person is upon tahara in the state of purity. Due to the general statement of the, of the Nabi alayhi salatu salam, la tukara salah bi ghayra tahur. That the salah is not accepted. When outside or without purity. Likewise, I had a statement of the Messenger of Allah, so I said, Let's talk about the salam. Ahadukum. Ila ahadath hatta yatawadda. That the salah is not accepted from any of you or one of you if they have fallen into impurity, or impurity has occurred until they have performed wudu. 
So until they have performed wudu, so the salah will not be accepted until they perform the wudu. And the affair of removing the impurity or purifying oneself is done with a mat, with water. Now she purifies herself with water in the wujudihi. So the person purifies himself with water when the water is present. When the water is present. Or tayammam in the adam al ma or ajizanhu. Or the person performs tayammam if there is no water present or the individual naam is not able to use water. When would, when was an, what's an example of someone not able to use water? No. So a person may have an illness. And by them using water, they may increase in their illness or make their illness even more severe. Now, or delay the ilaj, delay the, 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 the treatment or the cure. So due to that, in this scenario, the person would perform tayammu. Tayyum. The conditions for wudu, the sharud for wudu, are ten. Naam, Sheikh Mubarak mentioned the sharud, the conditions for wudu are ten. And we mentioned as because because it's a condition, these conditions have to be present throughout the action of wudu. Naam. So the first of them, so I mentioned the Sheikh mentioned beginning, la yasih al wudu illa bi ashar, illa bi ashra. So the wudu is not correct. Except by way of these ten. The first one is Islam. The first is Islam. We mentioned Islam before. Naam. The second is Al-Aqal. The person has to have sound intellect. Again, same thing. The third is Tamiyiz Kawnahu Yatawadda. That a person is able to distinguish the fact that they are making wudu. Why does they mention Tamiyiz and not Buluq here? Why did they say Tamiz and not, they did not say that he has to be at the age of puberty? No. The condition of the prayer is Tamiz. So it wouldn't make sense to say condition of the prayer is Tamiz, but you have to be valid to perform wudu. No, because these are most likely different ages. So whilst the, because the condition of the prayer is Tamiz, then of course the condition of wudu will have to be the same. No, I that age group. Naam. Wa niya. Naam. Niya to tahara. Kawnahu yanwi tahara. Min al-bawl. Min al-rih. Min al-hadaf al-lazhi hasil minhu. Li kawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inna ma'amal bin niyat. So the fourth is that the person has the intention that they're performing. Wudu. And the intention of purifying oneself. And purifying oneself from urine. Or passing wind, or any other form of um, something that that uh, causes impurity or breaks the wudu, and this is due to the general statement of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in the hadith, in the ma'amala bin niyat. Indeed, the actions are by their intentions. Naam. And thereafter, they mentions was was hukmahu. Naam. And so he has to have this niya until he completes the wudu. Naam. 
So you cannot begin with the niyyah. So he begins with the niyyah of performing wudu. Right? Purifying oneself for the salah. And in the middle, he says, I just want to have a wash. Right? He has the intention just to wash himself, just to cleanse himself. That he's not performed the wudu. No, he's not performed the wudu. And so he has to have this niyyah kamil throughout the through wudu and throughout the salah as well. Naam. Uh, Naam. And so, Shaykh Mbaz mentions an example. فَلَوْ غَصَلَ وَجْحَهُ وَيَدَيْهِ ثُمَّ حَوَّنْ عَنْهَا عَنَ الْوُضُوء ثُمَّ طَرَعْ عَلَيْهِ يُكَمِّلْ يعني يُعِيدُهُ مِنْ أَوْلِهِ لِأَنَّهُ بَطَلَ وُضُوءَهُ لِمَا قَتَعَ النِّيَةِ So, if a person, for example, they, they perform, they begin the wudu by washing the face, washing the hands, نعم, and then they change their intent, نعم, they, they leave off the wudu, then they cannot come back, they cannot come back and come, continue from where they left off. They have to begin from the beginning. Now they have to begin their wudu from the beginning. Does that make sense? Jayid. After that, we have wa'inkita mujib. So you cut. You have to cut off anything that has caused you to need to perform the wudu in the first place. Naam. So, for example, al-bawl. Yani urine. The person cannot still be performing wudu whilst they are urinating. Naam. So they, cannot, they, have to, they have to have cut off whatever has caused them to need to perform wudu in the first place. Or excrement or the like of that. Naam. So, if, for example, a person is performing wudu and they haven't stopped, they haven't cut off the, the affair that has needed, has caused them to need to perform wudu in the first place, then the wudu is not correct. Rather, for example, if they are urinating, if they're still urinating, they have to complete that, wash themselves, perform the uh, istinja or istijmar, and thereafter, then they can perform their wudu. Naam. After the hadith, yani. Naam. And if a person performs uh, the istijmar, istijmar, which is performed with the hajar, with the rock, then this is done with the like of eight, three, uh, uh, sorry. Three or more. Three or more from the rocks. The next condition, which is the eighth, is that the person or the water is tohor. Now that the water is regarded as being tohor. The water is regarded as being tohor. And what is meant by that? What is ma'at tohor? It's pure and and it purifies. So it's so it's pure of its own self. Ma'atuhur is pure of its own self and purifies other than it. So for example, and so and what's that? Ex- uh, what kind of water is this? A specific a specific definition for this type of water. 
necessarily all drinking water. Not all you can drink it because it's, it's it's pure, but something specific, a specific characteristic of it. The smell, yeah, but something about its character, something that all of it, it always has. Always. Clear. It's true. Basically, this is the water. It's the water that remains in those, it's, it's in a state that has been, crea has been created. Naam. So the water in a state that has been created. So, for example, the water of the sea. Rivers, Naam. the way the manner in which this water has been created is still in that in that form. So this water is tuhur. Does that make sense? Jade. So with that now, we say this is the this is the water that we use to perform wudu. Ma'at tuhur. How many types of water are there? Two. Two? This is this is free, isn't it? This guy in the office is saying free. <laughs> so, so what are the three then? To hoard, we said one already. That's easy. That's uh, Bilash, as they say. He's giving you that one. To hoard. What's after that? Tahir, naam. So it's pure in its own self, but it's not an easy, a means of purifying other than it. For example, what then? Tea. Tayyab. The third? Nejis, naam. The matter Nejis. So it's, it's the water which is impure. So it's impure within its own self. So, so thus, it does not purify other than it. It's not pure. So then why do some people say two then? Naam. So what, cause the, because the second type. If you've added something to it, which still makes it pure, but you cannot perform, you cannot perform uh, any purification with it in the ibadah, what you find is that it's changed in terms of its characteristics and its name. So it's no longer regarded even regarded as being water. So, for example, you have water in a in a, in a cup. And I bought a cup like this. You can perform with all that water. As soon as you put a tea bag in that, now you still want to call it water. What are you going to call it? Tea. Tea. So how are we going to say that this is another form of water? That's what they say. Or, for example, you've got the water, you put Ribena in. Naam. We're going to say it's water. Nah, it's Ribena now. Naam. So they say that these are the two types. The Tahor, where it's the water that, that is pure in its own self and purifies other than it. And the Nejis, which is still, regardless of being water, but it's dirty water. It's, in, it's, it's impure. It's impure of its own self. So you wouldn't consume it. And so you wouldn't use it for purification. Naam. So this is a condition. And the water is tohor. The next condition is that the water is permissible in of itself. Aye, the water is not haram. What's it about haram water? Stolen. Naam. The water is not stolen. You haven't stolen the water. The tenth is that you remove anything that prevents water reaching, reaching the skin, reaching the body. Naam. 
to anything that any sort of uh, product or substance that's on the body that may prevent water reaching the body is paint for example now you must remove that before performing the wudu and then you have the 11th the 11th condition is the beginning of the time of the wudu is this, general, is this a general condition or specific for who Nisa? So see for Nisa. So all in Nisa. Yeah, but a specific type of woman though. Not all the Nisa, yeah, a woman. Menstruated woman, she doesn't pray. Nah, so the woman that has irregular breathing, istihada, yani, istihada. So the woman that suffers from istihada, was referred to as istihada. So it's irregular bleeding. So it's, it's bleeding that is it's understood that this is not bleeding of uh, menstruation or bleeding of, of um, postpartum or the postpartum bleeding. Now, to the extent as well, some mentioned that it's bleeding that doesn't emanate, actually emanate even from the womb. So this irregular bleeding, if the woman has irregular bleeding, then she performs the wudu at its particular time. Now, specifically for that salah. Now, um, who else is there? The male? Yeah, With? None. So, what is referred to as. Um, so, anyone that suffers from. What is regarded as. Referred to as. Uh, to sensual bone. Now, um, so. Um, ur urinal incontinence. Or it can happen as well. Where the person has the incontinence from. Uh, um, defecation as well. So they're not able to, they continue urinating them, for example, or continue defecating. And so what is upon the individual is that they uh, clean the area naam, and they perform the wudu for that particular salah. So generally speaking, the conditions are 10 for the wudu, but then there's an 11th if a person is in that particular circumstance. Naam, so the woman, for example, she's in a circumstance where she has irregular bleeding. Right or the man, he is in a circumstance, uh, or any individual, man or woman, should I say, where they have uh, incontinence, then they perform the wudu for that particular salah. Wallahu taala, alam, and uh, we'll conclude here, inshallah. We'll conclude here, inshallah, and inshallah taala in. The next lesson will go on to discuss the furud of wudu, yeah, the, the, the obligations of wudu, and the nawakid of wudu as well, the things that nullify the wudu. Allah Ta'ala, A'lam, Fabarakallahu Fikum, Wajazakum Allahu Khaira, Wa Sallallahu, Wabarakallahu Nabi Muhammad, Wa Ala Alihi, Wa Sahfi Sallam.